Voice of Fintech. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech Africa series. I'm Rudy Fala, the founder of Voice of Fintech podcast. In this series, you will hear inspirational stories of entrepreneurs, investors, incumbents, and ecosystem hub leaders from Africa. And this episode is hosted by Adi Joki. Hi, everyone. Compliments of the season and welcome to the Voice of Fintech Africa series. My name is Jacare Kunle and my guest today is Audrey Renee co-founder and chief operating officer at Pigivest, an online savings and investment platform founded in 2016 to help Nigerians achieve their financial goals. The startup today has over 3 million customers and has recently acquired companies like Abeg, popularly known as Cash Up for Africa. On today's episode, we'll be discussing modern banking in West Africa and what it means to build a fintech startup on the continent. Thanks for joining, Odun. I'm really excited to finally have you here. Hi, thank you for having me. So for our listeners who do not know this, can you share a bit more on the Piggybest founding story? Okay, sure. So myself and my co-founders have been working together for about, I think about two and a half years before we started Piggybest. So we met each other in 2013, mid-year, worked through 2014, 2015, and then at the end of 2015, we got the idea for Piggy Vest from a tweet. And then we decided um, to try experimenting with what Piggy Vest could be. And it turned out that there was something and, you know, the rest is kind of history. Right. Um, and really, can you talk so much around, it's interesting to hear that you get an idea of a tweet. Can you share a bit more around what were some of your early learnings from when you found it, from when you started Piggy Best? What were some of the early things you, maybe you had um, an idea about the Nigerian markets and then when you started the company, you realized, okay, this is way different uh, than we, we initially thought. Do you have any of those that you Look, would like honestly, to share? Honestly, no. We were working on a different startup called Push TV in a wildly different, very wildly different like space and sector. Um, someone tweeted about having saved a thousand naira a day the entire 2015. And we thought, hey, how fun would it be to digitize this? And so we did. But it wasn't from any preconceived notions about the space, so to speak. It was just, we thought, we, we saw the tweet, we saw the reactions to it. We saw what people went on to do after it. And it just represented an obvious gap to us. But it wasn't from a point of view of, oh, we have researched this and we know that this is where the market is going. I guess for you guys, then, as you pretty much started with product market fits right out of the back, because for most startups is you have a preconceived notion, you start and then you pivot a number of times until you figure out what the market really wants. But for you guys, it's like, you started with the product and it was clear um, from the gates that this was something people wanted. You, you, you could say that, yes. All right. That sounds cool, really. Can you tell me a bit more about some of the important or critical milestones that um, have led up to the success story of PGVest? Sure. I think one of the most important ones was at the end of 20, like 2016, that's also known as our experimental year when we realized that we had hit like 21 millionaire 
that's a figure that we were very extremely proud of because the conversation we used to have was if we can even get 1,000 people to use this product, then we will consider it a success. And at the end of that year, we had, I think, 700 people registered and 21 million naira saved, which was a big deal for us at the time because 21 million naira in a low-trust society off of an idea that we found on social media. It was fascinating for us, really. So that was a big milestone. And... We went on from there to the next one being one of our users mid-2017 releasing a blog post, completely unprecedented, where she said that, you know, she saved her first million using PiggyVest. And then the next one, I bought my first car using PiggyVest. So those we, we measured, like, the progress in user milestones. How much bigger can their achievement get using PiggyVest? Like there's other milestones like fundraising. We raised our first seed our seed round in 2018, and then we hit our million our first million users. I think in 2019, yeah, 2019. And so that's how we've been thinking about it. For us, though, it's really a it's a user game, right? How many users are using the platform, and are they using it like successfully? And success success is indicated by the progress that they make in their lives using them. What perspectives do you have about building a fintech startup in Africa? Of course, like with Africa, you have different continents and different um, countries. And with that, you have peculiarities. But do you have any perspective or can you share any perspective around what's different about building a fintech startup today on the continent versus maybe 2016 when you guys started? I don't think I can like legitimately have perspective on that owing to the fact that I only have experience building a fintech company from 2016. But from an observatory point of view, I can say that I'm glad that it's not like the uphill battle that it used to be, which is a big deal considering. A lot of 2016, 2017 was spent trying to figure out what the hell does regulation for this thing look? What the hell does setup for this thing look? What kind of integrations do we need? How do we even make this work? But today, you are like spoiled for choice, right? There's several like points of integration. Regulation is ever the clearer. Um, it's not where it needs to be, but it's not as convoluted. And not only is it not as convoluted, it's not as difficult to actually begin that regulatory conversation with the regulators. So there's been an improvement in openness and just all of the other heuristics that you would use to measure what difficulty was in setting up like previously, which is a good thing. So can't really... And still on that topic, you guys launched at a time when digital banking wasn't exactly um, so much of a thing. And I'm sure you already spoke, you've spoken to some of the different, the things that from an observatory standpoint are quite different about launching a fintech company today. But would you mind sharing uh, some of the things you guys had to navigate in that period? You talked about the, the banking system really being a low trust environment. What other things did you guys were learning curves for the team at the time? The, the first thing you need to learn is that you cannot just come right out the gate to tell people, give me your money to save for you. And from an entrepreneur's perspective, you feel confident in your like in your business. You feel confident in the product that you're trying to offer. But what you need to remember is that people are like at the end of the day people. Nigeria is a low trust society and you're dealing in finance. 
So we had to painstakingly step by step build that trust. And so it was launching, it was talking directly to people about why we are doing this. It was proving ourselves time and time again to be a reliable platform. It was figuring out what kind of licenses and partnerships we needed to make sure that our user funds were secure. It was figuring out a strategy for generating the returns that we were promising. It was all of those things. So it was definitely a learning curve for us. And every time like that something digital goes bust, it's almost unwittingly a reflection on how trustworthy is speaking So it's a daily grind to prove to people that the answer is very trustworthy. And what lessons have you learned lately about building a fintech business in Nigeria? Ooh, I don't even think you stop learning, right? Like building a fintech in Nigeria, half the time is putting out fires that you didn't start. And I, I don't think that so I don't think that like it would be quite as engaging if it wasn't like that. Now, would I love to spend less of my energy firefighting? Absolutely. But is, is that what I signed up for? Probably because I am building in Nigeria. So you learn every day. But again, it all everything pales in comparison to not losing user trust. So building a fintech in Nigeria is divided into two different kinds of fintech. Right? If you're building a B2B fintech, your focus is on acquiring this business class. But if you're building a B2C retail company, your focus is on never losing the trust of the users that you've so painstakingly acquired. And mm-hmm. it's really hard to get the trust of the users. But it's actually ridiculously easy to lose it. And so you, it's a balancing act every single day. I mean, you get to critical mass at some point. I'm hopeful that we're there like soon uh, because we have now millions of users and we've been here five and a half years. So like the earning of the trust painstakingly is getting easier, right? Just because of the history that we have. But then we can rest. We can't rest. You have to continue to make sure every day you are giving your users more reason to trust you, which is kind of what building a fintech, especially a retail fintech in Nigeria is. If you're building B2B, it's much the same. Businesses are also afraid of losing their money, honestly. Losing their money, losing their privacy, losing their data. So it's all of those things. And you too are working in a trust game as well. Because if businesses cannot trust a fintech company, then they're not going to use it. They don't get to expose their information to it. And that's saying something. Hmm. Now, I, I, I wonder if it was deliberate for your team to stay bootstrapped, I think, for the first two years before you secured your pre-seed. What was that like um, for you guys? I can't imagine today any fintech company bootstrapping for that long. But I'd like for you to share your story around building a fintech business with zero funding uh, until um, about 2018 i think um, when you guys secured it wasn't it was definitely not deliberate <laughs> we okay. didn't start out thinking we're going to like we're going to like bootstrap like we definitely wanted to raise funding very soon into starting we just you would speak to people and everyone was like this is really new it's really risky the banks will outcompete you all, all of which were understandable concerns but it was very hard for us at the time. So we stopped spending efforts trying to raise into the business in 2016 and just focused on building it. So after speaking to a couple, maybe four or five people and the response was the same, we just decided might as well like heads down build. 
and show that there's something here. So in, throughout 2016, we didn't raise. By mid-2017, we got 50K from Village Capital, and then we started to get investor interest. But it still wasn't as easy as we thought it would be, seeing as we didn't actually conclude the raise until the middle of 2018. Uh -huh. So it wasn't like a, it wasn't a deliberate thing. It was just more people needed to get to where we already were in that we believe that this can work. We believe that this is a game changer for younger people in Nigeria. We believe that this opens more doors um, to financial services when you focus on accessibility and affordability. We also believe that it doesn't threaten its core what banks are doing. It's actually mm. just like a different thing entirely. Before you can convince people to get to that way of thinking, there has to be like insurmountable amount of evidence. So we just focused on getting them back. Makes sense. Uh, but if you look at today, right, there's a lot of funding available for fintech companies. How do you see that changing things in the African markets? I, mean, I think it will continue to be available. I'm glad it is. I'm glad that like, when you like talk about like the startups that went before, that we would be counted as one of those. Mm. It's very, it's definitely gratifying to think that hey, we couldn't raise them, but it's easier for people like us now. That's definitely what you want to see. You don't want it, everyone to have it as hard as you did because that's just crazy. It means there's no progress. So I think that there's been an improvement in the amount of funding available to African startups. And I think it will continue to be available because if we're being honest, not to blow out, we're building amazing things. And I was just talking yesterday about how in 2013, $25,000 was a great seed round. And now $25,000 forms a part of a larger pre-seed check. And so yeah. that's fascinating. Honestly, like when we raised $1.1 in seed funding, it was a big deal. Now people can raise a million dollars in pre-seed and yeah. it's normal. And I think that signifies a lot of progress. And so obviously definitely be tapping into that availability of funding. And I hope it continues to sustain for the crop of like ingenuous like startups that are becoming like are becoming up. We're definitely seeing a new frontier in fintech. And so hopefully like that like funding continues to come our direction, especially to Nigeria. One thing I guess our listeners should also know is that you're also an investor. You're the co-founder of um Festech Africa, which um helps um, female founders build businesses in, in Africa. Now, I, I would like to understand from your perspective, the idea that we, we typically hear this in different conversations about how every tech company today can or will eventually be a fintech company. I'd like to hear your perspective on that as an investor and of course, as, an, as a founder. As a founder, I think, yeah, all like tech companies will and must eventually become, what's it called, become fintech companies. I don't think that we have much of a choice there. It is just what it is. In that regard, everyone needs to get ready. There will be like the fintech, I don't know what the word is, of your business. But that's only because everybody eventually finds creative ways to And so they're, they're like, we cannot really avoid it. And as long as you want sustainability in business, you need to be open to all new ideas. Um, all new ideas eventually lead you to becoming some kind of fintech. So I, I think that that's what they mean by all businesses to become a fintech company. From an investor perspective, absolutely can also not be mad at it because at the end of the day, maximization of profit is why you are an investor. Whether you're, no matter how like you're investing. And I personally say, well, even though we invest, oh, the team must be diverse. It's still an economic decision. Right. It's not, it's not like this is not a charity. This is a fund. 
funds must have returns by very, the very virtue of the conversations we have with our own. So I think that, that it does make sense that everyone like expects a business to become some kind of fintech. Now, it won't be proper fintech that is not going to be led by finance, but it will be powered by the need and the drive to optimize returns, which means that health tech will eventually be layered on fintech. Agri-tech will eventually be layered on fintech. Crowdfunding and all those things are basically variations of fintech companies anyway. I think that's how to look at it. From an investor perspective, I, I think that if you come to me and say your logistics fintech, I don't mind it because as long as it means mm-hmm. that your logistics business is going to optimize its returns, then I'm good with it. Huh. Um there's an emerging trend in the African fintech landscape of startups right now focused on the informal trade markets. I'd like to hear your thoughts on um, savings and investments for the informal markets. Um, is Piggyvest thinking or doing anything in that area? Or generally, broadly, it would be nice to just hear your thoughts on that. So we're not yet doing like anything in that area. Will we do something in that area? Probably. But the way I like to think about it is I don't want to ever wake up and say, I'm going to present Piggy Vest in its current form. To be. Mm. I, I personally think that would be slightly stupid because their habits and lifestyles are different than the current people who use Piggy Vest today. And I think it's very key that products are tailored to the people who you want to use them. If and it should even be built in tandem with the people who want to use them. I don't think that carrying a stripped down version of PGVS to them and saying this can help you save is the is the answer. I think that having conversations with like subsets of these people, figuring out what exactly is their fintech need, so to speak. Because there's hella agency banking like startups out there. There's Kudi, there's Paga, and there's many more that we don't know about. I think with Bankly. Right? And they're all doing amazing for these people. If you're going to create an additional service, what are you solving for? And what is unique about it? And does it actually solve a pain that they have? Or is it massaging your ego so you can say you also serve that market? Uh, and so when we think about it, we think about it in that way. When there's no like point of our evolution where we will consent to just stripping down a tech-like product, a digital product to present to them no, it must be useful and it must be like worthy of the problems that they currently face. If you think about it, like people in the informal sector, they're very cash-based, but they're not cash-based because they just want to be cash-based. They're cash-based because a lot of people live like on the cash that they make daily. So how mm-hmm. do you transform that for them? That has to be the question that any product that we present to them will answer. It's still on Piggyverse, right? Let's talk a bit about um, some of the recent acquisitions Piggyverse has made, I think, in the last one year. One of it being uh, Abeg. There's also Savvy NG. I'd like to understand what are some of the key factors that have led to the decision surrounding the acquisition of these different companies and then what opportunities with this different acquisition? Um, Savvy, it, um, we acquired mostly for the expertise. So that's just straightforward. It was mm-hmm. really about the people. Begs a bit different. Right. So the idea here is that we are building this savings ecosystem, which is PDVS. But the truth is that financial services goes beyond. It goes beyond savings. There's also the... While we don't like to think about it too much, there's also the spending part of financial services. And so 
when we like saw their big product, we saw an opportunity to also figure out something to be done along the spending lines. And mm-hmm. that's why we acquired it. So the, there's a lot of when we'll piggy vest get cards and all of that. But there's also a lot of thought behind the piggy vest product as it is right now, which mm-hmm. is mostly enabling saving. And while we don't want to control how you spend, we also don't want to, we don't want to adulterate that savings product, that savings and investment ecosystem that we've built. Because it's easy, it's not easy to form habits, but it's very easy to break them. Yeah. Right? And so we felt like introducing spending arbitrarily into that ecosystem would be, would be dangerous right to the progress that had been made over the past like five and a half years so we saw a bank as a way to introduce spending without breaking the habits that would help our users form and that was like the driving force behind the activity. I, I see that connection now and you're very right on one it's really finding the synergies between the different products from the core product that you have and then all the other products that you acquire and make available to your users it's just important that you're not you don't have like one contrasting the purpose of the other one which I think Abeg does with Pigivest that is just providing sweets like synergy so that you can both save your money and then find other ways to spend without necessarily breaking your spending habits, your saving habits rather. So I think what would be nice for us to segue into a little bit more would be just helping one, the the world out there understand a bit more about the African tech markets. And then we will also talk a bit more about for founders out there, early stage founders out there about learning how to build a business. I'm sure there's a dime, dime dozen ideas a lot of founders have and are probably building this stuff right now in the fintech space. It'd be nice to hear from someone like you on how they can go about this the, the right way, right? There's no um, silver bullets, but of course, um, people can learn from your experience. But starting with the, the global market, what are some of the things that you think the global market should pay attention to in the African tech market that's happening right now? What are some of the emerging trends that you see? Well, I mean... Imagine trends that are like really just all around us. But one interesting one is, and it's not, I don't think it's a trend as much as everyone just like needs to understand that it's not going anywhere, is the emergence of Web3 and all the accompanying NFT, DeFi, cryptocurrency products and all of that. As much as existing fiat and traditional companies would like to like ignore it, it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's really here to stay. And I think a lot of us have to adjust, adapt, and then accommodate it one way or the other in our new products. So, I mean, our products, sorry, so that we're not left behind. The other thing, so that's number one. The second thing is that we're reaching, when we started this like ecosystem of fintech companies with like this like and Flow Wave in mm-hmm. 2016, the idea was, oh, there's new, this payment like rail that we can all build on. I can pick one part of financial services and run with it. And so we dismantled financial services into like individual products, right? And now we're reaching the point where we have to start to rebundle it again. Hmm. As you can start to see with everyone deciding I am no longer a lending company, I am now a digital bank. Yeah. See, uh, even us deciding we're not just tackling savings and, and investment ecosystem. We're adding spending. We're adding merchant acquisition. Adding several other things that are yet to be announced. So mm-hmm. you're going back 
little by little to the reborn name. That's very important. But what's more important is that the realization that there needs to be more like collaboration measures and acquisitions within the ecosystem. We cannot like reach where we want to be with very many small players. Jigit. And there's nothing wrong with it as is right now, but just for the progress and the volume of voice that we want to have, the influence that we want fintech to have in Nigeria, there needs to be a bit more consolidation, collaboration, mergers, acquisitions, so that we're building behemoths. We're building big and not just like many different small ones. Because like, it's going to be, as you can see, like the banks are also making moves. Yeah. So it's going to, very soon it's going to be the battle of the fittest, the healthiest. Uh, and then the richest, obviously. So, like, those resources need to be consolidated sooner rather than later. You can see from, like, the wave of Flutterwave, very strategic acquisitions and investments as well. Yeah. You see, you, you hear backed by Flutterwave here, backed by Flutterwave there. It's like basically shoring up your bases and making sure you have no blind spots. That's how to think about it. And that's what I, this is purely my personal thoughts around how I've been thinking about it, is there needs to be a bit more consolidation, collaboration, because if you want to compete on like a large scale, you can go alone. You know that saying, if you want to go mm-hmm. far. Yeah. So that's. You alluded to some of the things that Piggyverse is building and you guys are here to announce do you mind sharing what some of our expectations should be over the next maybe six months to one year for piggyverse so I, I cannot be specific we are we are focused like very heavily on user acquisition so any product that's released is with a view of retaining and gaining even more users we're like hyper focused on that growth expanding our reach we long nigeria so we're going to go deeper into nigeria whatever way we have to so basically and given your experience as an investor and also founder how do you envision the future of banking for africans in the next decade i think i don't the future of banking i, I don't think that it will look all that different than what we're already seeing today honestly mm-hmm. I think it will be more, I think there will be a lot more. First of all, I, I, for instance, I don't believe in any way that cryptocurrency will replace fiat. I think it's just something that we do side by side, right? And so I think that banking will look different in that people will talk about cryptocurrencies as much as they talk about like the dollar. That's mm-hmm. one. And I also think that all of these apps would have been built to accommodate it. But I don't think we'll do much different than and everyone's death to cards. I don't think cards are actually going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we will just have heightened use, uses of every other thing that's coming like with cards. It's QR codes, NFCs. We'll just have a bit more distribution around who used to hold the power. But a lot of the money transfer, money like movements is still pretty much the same. Interesting perspective. I think one last question I'd like to ask, which is pretty much around helping or uh, giving, lending your experience to um, early stage founders today is for you to share some of your advice on building a tech startup. And of course, building a fintech startup today, what are some of the key things you have to do in the early days? What are some important things you have to bear in mind as an early stage founder in, in a fintech 
um, company. I think that if you're an early stage founder in a fintech company and you've absolutely decided that you want to run a fintech company, the only thing that I think like you can properly be equipped with is the fact that you need to be ready. The everything that can go wrong will go wrong. And I think a lot of people try to solve for problems ahead of time. And that's a good thing. We're trying to preempt all these things, trying to be proactive and not reactive. But in my experience, having the right like management strategy in place for all of these things is usually better than trying to be proactive on Nigeria's very unique fintech problems. And so it's really more for me the readiness mindset. You can't solve for everything. Not all your users will love you. Some people will use you very begrudgingly. You need to manage your reputation. It, it's at the core of it, being a fintech founder is a balancing act. You need to find a balance with everything. How much do you build in public? How much do you hold back? How much do you advertise? How much do you try to find an organic way of like getting users? And all of those things, the answer is usually somewhere in the middle. I've learned that you can go the very extreme left, very extreme right. The right place to be is usually somewhere in the middle. And that is... Sounds like a cliche when you're hearing it and you've not started. But when you do start, you realize that like somewhere in the middle is something that we definitely tell ourselves all the time. Like the solution is somewhere through it. And so anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Like I said, a lot of your work is going to be firefighting. Building a fintech company in Nigeria and definitely across Africa is not easy, but it's exciting. And it represents what is potentially what will open up like the African continent for progress for sure. Nice. Thank you. Thank you for sharing those words. And also thank you so much for your time. I think it is there are a few key takeaways that I have really for early stage founders is yeah, you can be reactive, but you can be proactive. Get started really and be more about managing these things when they happen. Um versus just like being a little bit more conser- conservative. It really doesn't pay so much um, if you are that way. And I guess also it's around really just learning, at least still within the, still for early stage founders, is really just learning that anything pretty much can go wrong. And there's so many, there's so many innovations that happen such that all the different beautiful ideas you have about building a fintech startup, at the end of the day, you're meeting everyone else in front. So it's, yeah, build, but your customers keep finding ways to provide them value. I really mo- not so much worry around. I want to have the fanciest of ideas for a fintech startup. We see a lot of that with the with startups today, which is good. And it's just also interesting to see all the different beautiful products and ideas that are emerging in this space. I think for one, I'm also grateful to be um, to be alive at a time when we're seeing a lot of new ideas come from literally nowhere for all the different problems that we have in the African fintech ecosystem. Regulation is there that we're fighting with, but hey, like you guys have blazed the trail and then you guys are still innovating and doing all these um, different things just to make sure that more Africans are able to meet their financial goals. And then even for businesses as well, I don't know if Piggy Vest has plans for businesses, but I guess on the retail side of things, you guys are doing a lot, right? So for early stage founders, I guess it's so much around really just building what people want and what you're as, as picking all the lessons that you can as you go without necessarily planning, so to speak. But thank you so much for your time. Everything thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. Have a if you haven't already, check thank out you. also voiceoffintech.com where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast.
You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at voiceoffintech.com. Happy to hear from you. Thank you.